And uh, welcome to the cave, right? So welcome to Allegory the Cave. I'd like you to just take a deep breath in some respect and just relax. It's been a long couple of block days. Maybe you're tired at the end of today, maybe not, who knows. Maybe you're looking forward to what's coming next. That's fine. I'd like you to do the, your best to not miss today's lesson. I'd like you just not to miss it. And because I don't want you to miss some things, like I'm going to take the first five minutes just to jump in, like just to go for it. And uh, as we make it dark in here, I'll leave that one up. But what are our eyes doing right now? Adjusting. Adjusting. Adjusting to what? Well, yeah, and it's fair to say that. It's adjusting to the dark. But actually, your eyes are adjusting to what? The light. The amount of light that's in the room. Has anybody here been caving before? Yeah, I've been caving. Right. I think it's interesting to go under the earth to where there's potentially even the absence of light, which definitely not my room right now. But I, if I can, five minutes here. I'd love for you to catch, there's so many fun lessons in this. I'd love for you to at least catch this one. I grew up in Christian education. I went to a bunch of churches around here. Christian family. And you know what? I think some of you sitting in the room have similar stories. Not, not the same, of course, but similar. Fortunately, not everybody. We've got a nice variety. But some of you have grown up in that. And you know what? Your eyes are adjusting to the amount of light in the culture and environment that you're in. Mine did. Christian schools, Christian education, bunch of churches, Christian family. And so what, what do my eyes do? They adjust to what? The light around me. And you know what? I had light. We studied scripture. They were Christians, we believed. I had light. But to be blunt and without shame or guilt, and not, I loved my experiences. They were fantastic. However, I adjusted to the light around me, thinking it was the light. So I grew up talking to God. I would talk to him and talk to him and talk to him and talk to him and talk to him, and that was prayer. Until someone finally said, you know, he's got a voice. <laughs> like, he can talk back if he would shut up and listen, maybe. I was like, what? No one had ever talked to me, ever. Ever. I'm sad, but no one has ever talked to me about listening prayer. Being quiet to hear God's voice, to be shepherded by God each day. God, right? I grew up thinking that my devotional time when I would read the Bible was my relationship with God. That going to church was my relationship with God. Forgetting that that's a bunch of people in a building and that's a book. I had a relationship more so probably with religion rather than with Jesus through his Holy Spirit. I grew up thinking that I had to be good in order to get God to like me, and then he would bless me. 
forgetting the fact that he died for me while I was a sinner. <laughs> you know, you, you can't get him to love me more. But my goodness, I worked really hard to try to be really good and do all the right things so A, I wouldn't get punished, and B, he would bless me. That's uh, behaviorism. That's not grace. I was teaching at this school <laughs> and didn't even know really what grace was. I was thinking that some people, because they had sinned, and if they were really bad sinners, they could lose their grace or God would send them to hell. I mean, it's awkward even right now, maybe for some of you to hear that in the dark room right now, that Mr. D, wait, what? Yeah, it's even more awkward for me to have to come out of what I thought was light into more light. Because actually, I was in a lot of darkness as a Christian, as a, Christ, as a Bible teacher in a Christian school leader. And honestly, like, that's my opening lesson. Just be careful. Just be careful. Thinking that wherever you are spiritually, you've got it. You've got the light. Because all you just need to do is remember that you're adjusting to the light around you. And if you want to catch this class, what I'm at least trying to do is I don't want to just adjust to the world or adjust to my church or adjust to the people around me. I want the light of Christ. <laughs> I want the real thing. I want the light. Not even just reflection. So I want to start with that. Part of today is for some of you, this is a nice thing, we're just in the dark, for some of you to maybe just give you an opportunity to admit it. Maybe be frustrated even. Um, well, I'll pray here in a second that the Holy Spirit might enlighten you, might bring you into more light, right? But watch what happens when I turn that off and we turn this down. It gets even darker. Right? I think it's interesting. Most of us really don't know what it means when Jesus says, I am the light of the world. I'm the light of the world. Because it's so bright and sunny outside today, right? I love that there's three. But what happens when it's dark and then we do what? We light some candles. We get this warm glow. Most of you are staring at it. I love that it's kind of alive. I can see your faces up front here. You can see mine. You know, it's intriguing. When I make it a little darker in here by turning off that screen, I'd light the candle so it wasn't just too dark. But who's been caving? Anybody? A couple people. Has anybody been in the absence of light? Like, no light. We got one. I can actually see your hand. A couple more. All right. I think it's intriguing when you're in that space. Did someone do that where you're absent light and they light a match or a candle or something? Like, you're like, whoa! It just like lights up the whole room. It's kind of fun. Like, now I can actually see you with the adjusting. It's kind of cool. Um, I got to do a two-week caving expedition. And uh, one of the days, they took a few of us under the earth, almost a mile below the earth, but for 24 hours straight. It was wild. 
And we went down and down and down and down. And we got to a room about this big. It's pretty cool. We were sitting there. We were like, okay, this is a good rest time. We sat there, and the leader said, you know, turn your lights off. So we turned the lights off. And after about a half an hour, it was dark, like no light. And there wasn't any phosphorescence or anything like that in the room. And no one had like, put a little hidden light on somewhere. Absence of light, we couldn't see anything. Now, in here, everybody right now, put your hand up in front of your face. Can you see your hand? Yeah, because it's even in the back of the room. You can see your hand. It's dark, but it's not that dark. When you do that in the absence of light, can you see your hand? No. Your eyes can't see anything because there's no light. Ready? He said, put your hand in front of your face. And guess what I saw? I saw my hand. I would wiggle my fingers and I could see the wiggle. And honestly, I had a little freak out moment. I'm like, what the heck is going on? Who's got the light? I was like, no, no, no. There's no light in the room. What's, my, what's your brain doing? What was my brain doing? Protecting Yeah. I wanted, I was in the dark, and I wanted to see so bad that my brain knows my hand, so it conjured up old images of my hand and pieced them together so I could, I could pretend to see. Are we tracking? What are the implications of that based off of what I just said? How many of us want to be right so bad? We want to see so bad. We are maybe so scared of being wrong that we'll do what? <laughs> we'll conjure up something just so we can feel like we're seeing or feel like we're right. Well, I love the candles because Jesus says he's the light of the world. But it's so easy to forget our need for light when it's not dark outside. And we don't even know what he's talking about. These are candles. So let me pray, and then we'll jump in to some more lessons here. Jesus, thank you for being the light of the world. Thank you for shining in our darkness. Guide us here at the end of a long day. Just help us to be able to relax in some respects and maybe even just enjoy or at least ponder this lesson. I pray that some of us will encounter you in a unique way today on our journey. That some of us who've studied stuff before like this or maybe never heard of this before or maybe we've always wondered what these verses mean or wondered what's the difference between Buddhism or Christianity. I pray that for some of us, there will be an awakening moment today in class. That maybe we didn't expect that at school, but that today would be bigger than homework and annotations and grades. I pray that we could just be in this moment and available to your spirit, guiding us and working in us and to us. But you'd help me to teach clearly. Pray all this in your name, Jesus, and in the power of your spirit. Amen. Okay. I'm going to do this. You may not like it. Sorry. We're going to do what we got to do. I was going to get the TV on. But ready? In the back of the room. Sorry. Here it comes. Here it comes. Here it comes. Ready? One, two, three. Okay. We've got to get some light here. Okay, and I'd like you to open up your guidebooks to page 22. Page 22. Where is it here? 
in your, that's Ephesians. Those are the responses. Allegory of the cave, right? Hopefully you read it, got a taste of it. Okay. Um, in your text, for five minutes or so, I'm going to give you some context. I want you to take some notes. And then we're going to turn all the lights off and act out Allegory of the Cave. <laughs> and then we're going to come back and then process it and uh, chat about it and hit those questions that you might have. Is that fair? Does that work? Okay. So I'd like you to draw a tree. That's my best effort as a tree, <laughs> at a tree. But uh, once you draw a tree, and on the trunk, all right, the trunk of your tree. Where do you want this? Somewhere in your book. You've got some space in your book. There's big margins. There's some space at the top. We intentionally made a lot of space in the guidebook. So you can take a few notes, all right? So you've got to have a tree of some sorts, right? And here you can write. Plato, or allegory of the cave, right? Or idealism, if you want, even. But this is Plato's allegory of the cave, okay? Um, and then I want you to do three branches, okay? And the first branch is going to say education. The second branch is going to say religious idealism. So idealism is a religion. You can also put Buddhism underneath there. And the third branch is going to say Neoplatonism. Okay, Neoplatonism. Neo means what? New. So ready? One more time. Plato, allegory of the cave. Education, Buddhism or religious idealism, and then Neoplatonism. Those are the three branches that are pulling from allegory of the cave. Allegory of the cave, as you read here, is over 2,000 years old. It was written around the similar time as Malachi was writing. Kind of interesting, Malachi, right? Malachi wrote that last book of the Old Testament 400 years before Christ shows up. And <clears throat> he ends his little book with, and there will be a remnant, and they will be released from the stalls and leap like lambs out into the light. Uh, anybody ever been to Klein Creek Farm where the little sheep are born? So fun, little lambies are born. So they're so tiny, right? And uh, do you still eat? What do we need? Education, idealism, and religion, religious idealism, and then Neoplatonism. Neoplatonism. And then just Plato's allegory of Malachi says they will leap like lambs from the stall. We think lambs. Red barn. But in the Middle East, thousands of years ago, they were being born in caves. Mom would find a cave and a covering in the darkness of the, the cold winter, and then they're born in the darkness, and it gets warmer, and they jump out into the light. How cool is that, that Malachi's writing that? Very similar time when Plato's writing this. I think there's a fun connection there. I doubt they connected, but I think it's cool that it's going on at the same time. It also just grounds it for you in your biblical tradition. Why is Plato writing Allegory of the Cave? Well, there's lots of reasons, 
Okay, but he's trying to help his students understand spiritual reality and the concept of education. FYI, right? Um, Allegory of the Cave is written inside of the Republic, right? Which we're trying to figure out, here's the education piece. If you're gonna vote for your leaders in a democratic republic, wouldn't it be nice if the people who were voting were educated citizens? Sorry, I just need to get a little drink there. <laughs> Sorry, it's so horrible. Mm -hmm. Right? If you're gonna do this thing called voting, <laughs> If you're going to have a democratic republic, make sure that your citizens are what? Yeah, educated. And Plato writes in the Republic, chapter whatever, this little allegory for education. By the way, go thank a teacher, right? This is why he wrote it. This is why Plato wrote it in the Republic in this context. He wrote it to help people understand the need for teachers and the need for education. Does anybody in the room want to go off to college and not know how to read? There was a time when you didn't know how, but someone did what? Someone taught you. They took you from the ignorance of not knowing how to read to the light of being able to read. Imagine not knowing how to do math right now. Ah, that would feel really what? Dark and overwhelming, okay? And so teachers take you from the darkness of ignorance to what? the light of understanding, you would never want to go backwards in your education, would you on some level? Like, no. Unless you, Yoda's got to unlearn you some things, but, right? Cool. Plato also talks about here that education is not just math and reading and stuff like that. It has to do with heart and soul and virtue and spirit. He made a school. Anybody know what it was called? The Academy. Yeah, what are we named after? The Academy. Because Plato was trying to help us understand as well that it's not just about learning stuff, it's about becoming a whole person. It's about teaching the soul, uh, right? Isn't that what we're trying to do here, right? <laughs> so we are in that 2,000 plus year tradition. Okay, another thing that happens with Plato's Allegory of the Cave is that if someone from the East were to pick this up, someone from Buddhism were to pick up Allegory of the Cave, <gasps> yes, this guy's amazing. Someone in the West actually gets it. The entire world actually is an illusion, right? What does the Buddha say? The Buddha says the world is an illusion that this is all shadow, that we need to escape non-existence to get to the real spiritual realm. Everybody got that? So for them, when they read Allegory of the Cave, it's not an allegory, it's what? It's the real deal. And so, yes, Plato creates this fantastic bridge saying we all live in a dark, shadowy, material realm. It's not the real thing, but if we can escape the material realm, and focus on the spirit, which is good and beautiful and true, we can all get out. Can we get out? Yeah. yeah. In, the, in, the, in that realm, the spiritual realm, that's the perfect realm with perfect beauty, perfect goodness, perfect truth, the perfect place. And by the way, this place is not perfect, is it? Anybody in here perfect? That's what I thought, right? Neither am I. And by the way, your car breaks down and your house leaks every now and then, and then it breaks down or gets blown over. 
and you know people die and your body breaks and the computer breaks and this place is a mess in some respects fair enough <laughs> we're getting sick and we're all beating each other up and we don't know how to work together and ah let's get out of here <laughs> right no yeah okay the next one is neoplatonism and it's people like paul john saint augustine St. Francis, not the school. Mr. D, C.S. Lewis, J.R. Tolkien, people who are saying, oh, Plato, thank you. Your story helps me understand my story better. That paper does not want to be up there anymore. It wants to let the light in. Okay. Your story helps me understand my story. That's honestly a little bit of why we're studying in a Christian school, is because, hey, maybe this story can help you understand the gospel, can understand the Old Testament, can understand, for unto us a child is born, right? Behold the light of the world, the, right? I mean, Jesus calls himself the light of the world, and for unto us, you know, a son is given, right? Like, all these verses that have to do with light and darkness and a kingdom of light and a kingdom of darkness and your shadow self but your true self and yeah plato's like no no actually this can help you understand all of that and maybe give you even even context for it agreed many of you would be neoplatonists if you wanted to grab that label you could questions thoughts concerns comments again Okay, I just think it's a, yeah, go ahead. Wait, so just to clarify, uh, I think I know what that's all thing is, but like, what, is, what exactly does the allegory of the cave like represent? Yeah, so that's what we're gonna do right now. So oh. we're, gonna, we're gonna act it out. I was just setting up context. We haven't even done it yet. Oh, you're like, so right now, I was just giving you context of when he wrote, why he wrote it, and what people use it for. Got it? Like, if you go into education and become a teacher in your philosophy education class, guess what they're gonna do? <laughs> Allegory of the Cave. But you guys, are, you, you've probably already heard this before in some teacher at Weed Academy or some other school, right? But now we're doing it where? Philosophy class. So, here we go. Ready, set, go? Turn the lights off. Close your book. Put your phone away. Do whatever you need. I know that's still, I don't know where it is, what it is. I'm not going to worry about that. The light thing. But yeah, phone's away. You can keep your book out. And then I'm going to set us up in the cave and we're going to act it out, okay? Oh, yeah. right. I'm about to blow the lights out. Oh, yeah, that's, well, we're just going to let that be. And, uh, all right. That's funny. I almost blew with the face shield on. That looked good. Okay. Let's act it out. Now, they tell you in teacher school to not mix your metaphors. So guess what I'm going to do today? Mix the metaphors. That'd be really fun. Okay. So as you're adjusting to this, I'm gonna, we're going to act it out. And of course, we're going to talk a little bit about education. But mostly, we're going to compare and contrast Buddhism, right? Idealism as a religion and as a worldview, and then theism and Christianity in particular. So we're going to contrast that and mix the metaphors and overlap them. And in no way, don't ever think I want to smash or bash Buddhism. Buddhism is amazing. It has some beautiful truths in it. If you want to be a Buddhist, pay really good attention, because this might actually help you become a really, really good one. Okay, I'm not here to bash it. We are here to compare and contrast, though, because are they different? Yeah. Okay. So 
How does this story start? Chained up in a cave. Chained up in a cave, okay? Or you're chained up at home watching all of us chained up in a cave, right? Hi, Seamus. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we're, we are chained in our caves. Now, which way are you facing? Forward. Your, your arms are down, so arms on your lap, not somebody else's lap. So put your arms on your lap. <laughs> Hello, right? And uh, you're, if you really got, if you want to get it, turn your imagination way up. And this is where most students just don't do it because you're distracted or you're tired or whatever. No, no, no. Ready? You have never left my classroom. You've been here for 18, 17, 19 years in my room, <laughs> right? Try, I know it's really hard, but try to go there and you, that's where you'll start getting this. You'll really start getting, you've been here your whole life. Like, yeah, but I drove to school and ate lunch. No, 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 that was all in your mind. Or what, what does he say is happening? It's what? Now technically this should be where? All the way back here. So I look at you. It should be back here, and then projected all the way to the front. So you're in the cave. You're projected, and what starts happening? Well, ready? What's that? Tree. tree. That's a tree. Great. Okay. Cool. That's a tree. Let's see how good you guys are. Because remember, they start playing games, don't they? You get a little gold sticker if you can guess it quickest. Yoda. Yoda, right. The ears, you can tell, right? Anybody? Little Playmobil guy. It's hard to tell there, but you can get it, right? Especially when you get the hands, the hands going. You'll see how good you guys are. Ready? Yoda. Who was it? Who got it first? Okay, good. Ready? Who's that? Oh, I heard it over there. Right, okay. Ready? Yoda. Yeah? Oh, and then ready? Let's do this. Ready? We gotta fight. God, Who's gonna win? Who's gonna win? Yoda! Alright, if you want a freak out moment, anybody want a freak out moment? Many of you for years would pay ten to fifteen dollars, go sit in a dark room, in a chair, facing a screen, watching things move on a screen. And he wrote this two thousand four hundred years ago. What? Thank you. Does anybody? Like, what the heck? <laughs> That's insane. Anyways, right? So here we go. This is your life. A Switchfoot song, right? This is your life. Are you who you want to be? Whatever. Maggie, would you mind being the one? Sure. Okay. So this is your life, your whole life, and you're like, yeah, that's lunch today. That was driving to school today. That was your other classes. That is this. This is your what? It, everything, but you're thinking you're doing all this cool stuff. It's just shadows on the wall. Got it? Watch out for the cord here. Um, enjoy your nice shadowy existence. We're going to go for an adventure, right? Because she is disabused of her air. I think that's really important. It's not on her own. At least we're playing. We're going to go on a little adventure. Please stay in your seats, but enjoy your shadowy existence. Ooh.
Shadowy KD existence going. Good. 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 Okay. Well, Maggie has some ready good news for you. Right? Why don't you share them your good news? It's so bright and green outside. Real quick time. Green. Yeah. What's oh, yeah. Well, what's green? The tree. What? Wait, what? Keep going. Right? Keep going. Um, <laughs> the, the sky's blue. <laughs> no, All right. Well, <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's give it up for Maggie. Right. How's that go? By the way, welcome to evangelism. She ready? Experienced something completely different, not of this world, and now she's got to use words to describe that. How's that going to go? The sanctification and justification. Whatever ification I'm going to try to describe to you <laughs> with words, right? But you experienced it. And it, ready? I asked her a question or two out there. Is it better? Yeah? Where would you rather be? And bless her heart. Why did she come back? Yeah, because they're going to come back and live here? And you could be where? And you don't even know what there is. <laughs> Are we tracking? Okay, and then she's got to try to explain it. And by the way, in the story, how did that go? They're making fun, they're mocking in the Bible story what they do with that guy. They killed him. <laughs> Holy cow. All right. So thank you, Maggie. And uh, you know what's intriguing to me? How does this story end? Yeah, like, like the sun is this, and this is this, and here we are, and okay, we're done. And you're like, wait, what? <laughs> it's over? <laughs> yeah, because he made his point, right? Questions? That, by the way, did that help explain the story a little bit more? We kind of got it? So we're going to keep going, so but generally... She came back and like, got chained back and told about it. Well, yeah, I don't know if she got chained back. I don't know if it necessarily says that, but she's back in the shadows trying to explain it. But Her eyes can't adjust. She looks foolish. She's using these words that people don't know. How's it go? Yeah. Not well. Thank you, Plato. Okay, so... Everybody, ready? Do we see the education side of this? We got, okay, I'm not, we don't need to spend time on that. Let's do this then. Let's take a step or two in compare and contrast. 
let's go with this middle branch of idealism. Because the Buddhist is going to say, oh, brilliant, let's use this story to explain what's going on. And we already kind of hinted at it. Anybody, anybody in the room perfect? No? Well, where's the perfect being? Where? Out where? Well, the perfect being is in the spiritual realm, not the what? The physical realm. The perfect being is not necessarily the being, more of a what? Idea. Can anybody think of the idea of a perfect car? Or the idea of a perfect lamp? Or a perfect, ready? The idea of a perfect person. Can we think of that? And actually, all the cars down here are any of them perfect. No, and are any of the people perfect? No, but can we have the idea of perfection in the idea realm? Did they get it? Yeah. So if you want to become perfect, we'll get that idea figured out, and then ready? I'm going to last, what, maybe 30, 40 more years, 50 if I'm lucky, less? Great, then what happens to Mr. D? I'm what? I'm gone. But will the perfect being last forever? Yeah, why? Because it's perfect. Perfect beauty, perfect goodness, perfect truth, perfect strength, perfect health, perfect what? Perfect. If you, everybody catch this, if you became that, how long would you last? Does anybody want to get it right now, right here, right now? Eightfold path of Buddhism. To escape non-existence, to let go of your imperfect self, and not go hang out with God, you might as well, what? Become God, because how long will God last? And God is what? God, everybody got it? It's up to who? You. So you need to make yourself perfect and become one with the one. And if you did that, how long would you last? If you didn't, what's up? But what happens to shadows when the light changes? Where's grandpa from? You know, where's great, 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 grandpa? Dust, dirt, maybe some bones, maybe. Right? Are you trying it? Yes or no? Well, when I was at Oxford and I had this conversation with a really, brilliant, amazing, kind, and loving Buddhist, we sat down for lunch and ate our lunch and started our conversation. And then we kept talking until they brought us dinner. But I'll never forget this moment when he said, you're selfish. The problem is, is that you're selfish. And I'm like, what? <laughs> hey, I'm not selfish. He's like, yeah, you are. And it's like, let me just try one more time to see if you can get this. Who's better, you or God? By the way, what would you say? God. So is God better? Yeah, so he's like, why would you settle for being you? You could be who? Why would you settle for being you when you could be who? God. I'm like, yeah, but I want to be me. He's like, yeah, exactly. You're what? Selfish. Let go of yourself and become God. God's better. <laughs> Why not be the better? Why not be the best? I'm like, but, but I like me. He's like, exactly. You like you. When you could be God, let go of you and become God. Yeah, I, are we going to go any further? No, because it's just two completely different ways to look at it, right? 
I like existing. Maybe you do too. But I'm also not God. God is God. Yeah? I think it's intriguing to even take that a step or two further. But I remember processing, you guys, this was 20 plus years ago. I'll never forget this. But I said to him, wait a second. Are you perfect? He's like, no, not yet. But I'm working on it, right? Right, right action, right thought, right, 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 right. So I'm working on it. I'm like, wait a second. If you're perfect, and you're trying to, I mean, if you're not perfect, but you have to become perfect, wouldn't you have to be perfect to do it perfectly? And he's like, well, Yes, I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't get this. I, said, I wasn't being mean, I wasn't bad, I'm just, I don't get it. I know I'm not perfect, but if I have to become perfect, the only way I can become perfect is I have to be perfect to do it perfectly. And I'm not perfect, so I can't do it perfectly, so there's no way I can become perfect. Yeah. And that conversation just ended. Does that make sense? Like, okay, see ya. <laughs> you know, like, right? Questions? Okay. How about this then? Let's rewrite something. 2,000 years ago, this baby is born. There's angels singing. And he starts walking around. He says, hey, I'm not of this world. My kingdom is not of this world. Right? And God loves you, and I love you. And actually, the kingdom that I have is a perfect kingdom. By the way, is heaven perfect? Is God perfect? So if you want to hang out in heaven with God, then you're going to need to be what? Yes or no? <laughs> be holy, right? Does that make sense? So you have to be perfect. Okay? Remember, Jesus is not being a jerk here. He's just saying that kingdom is perfect. God is perfect. And God loves you, and he wants you to hang out with him. So you need to be what? He's like, here's the only way it's going to work is if you let God do what? Because, I mean, you're not perfect, are you? And can you make yourself perfect perfectly if you're not perfect? No? So then why don't you just let God make you perfect as a free gift? How's that sound? Yeah? Yes or no? Yeah? Sweet. Then he says crazy stuff like this. Hey, why don't you follow me? If you don't want to live in darkness anymore, you can follow me. I'm going to bring my kingdom even into the darkness right now. We're going to go, you know, like the kingdom is right here. It's within you and upon you and right near you. And actually, ready? My chains are gone. Your chains are gone. They're just what, anyways? In this place, the chains are what? Raise your hands up. Anybody, like, come on, put your hands in the air. Your chains are gone. You've been set free. Like, I'm the Savior, ransom me. Like, they're done. They're all shadow. So your chains are gone. Does anybody want to come? Maggie was there. You don't have to come again, but you want to go? All right, we're going to go. Anybody else want to come? Yeah, if you want to come on a cave, follow me. Wait, quick time out. Now we're going to go. Right? Time out, theology moments, doctrine moment. Is God sending any of you here because you're bad? Uh, no. For God so loved the world that anyone who wants out can want. And by the way, how hard is it? Ready? If you want out, ready, stand up and walk out. How hard is that? Yeah, right? It's no big deal. So follow me. Now, hey, wait. By the way, can we force anybody to come? 
No, if you, you want to stay, can you stay? Yes, some of you right now, right now, you need to stop blaming God. He's not sending you here. If you want out, you can come out. It's your choice to stay. Okay, come on.
Hey, Jamie's, we're back. Hi, uh, sorry we couldn't bring you out. Is it making enough sense? Yeah, I am. Cool. It's going to get a little lighter here now. I'm going to do a few more things with this. And we're going to process it out, okay? All right. I think what's really important for us right now, as we're processing this, and I'm gonna do this so it doesn't get completely, I don't wanna turn on all the lights completely, but I want people in the back to be able to light if they want to. So maybe here we go. Okay, okay, how about, is this too much or not? Okay. So here we are in our dark cave. And I just wanted you to process one or two things in particular. Hopefully the education metaphor works. Really important. The Buddhist one is, I think, fascinating to me because, yeah, the world is broken. It's not perfect. It is shadow. We die and are gone, right? The Bible even says it's like a breath, right? Like all that stuff is all there. I know I'm not perfect. I know God is perfect. I know that the spiritual realm has perfection in it. Like, yes, 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 right? But we're not going to go hang out with God like that conversation says because God's what? The best, but I don't want to just settle for that. I want to be what? God. And actually, it's not like become a person, because body would be limiting. Is God limited by body? No, so it's really, nirvana is not, doesn't have ears and eyes, and you know, like, this is a concept of truth, and you're becoming goodness and beauty and truth. And it's way more than what I'm explaining right now. But at a basic level, that's what we're looking at. And who is it up to? Is there anyone saving you? Is there any being making you perfect? No. It's up to you. Got it? Are we tracking? The reason why I want to do that, honestly, and with dignity, is just to flip it on its head then. And what is the message of the gospel? Perfection. Broken world. <laughs> right? Like, yeah, it's, it's almost the same message, right? But what's the difference? You get to be who? You. You get to be you. And since you can't make yourself perfect, a loving God's going to do what? Do it for you. Yay! Like, cool! <laughs> so I get to hang out with God, not as God, and God will make me perfect so that I can. How are we doing? Yeah? Okay. Sweet. Questions? 
about what we just did. Because I would like to do, before I turn this off and before we put the lights on, I'm going to do a slideshow presentation with some Bible verses. And I want to talk about this. But any questions on our compare and contrast, and just even about the concept of Allegory the Cave, right? I'm wondering if any of you are conjuring up some shadows that you've been believing in or living in as well. Yeah. Well, here's what I would say. That would be a great conversation, and it's going to differ depending on which Buddhist you're talking to. Because imagine saying, and so Christianity is, uh, so who should I talk to about Christianity? <laughs> How many denominations do we have? Does that make sense? So it's going to change depending on who, which denomination. In Buddhism, there's so many denominations. In Buddhism, there's people who really believe, and there's people who kind of really don't. And then there's cultural Buddhism. In Christianity, there's people who really believe, there's people who really don't, and there's cultural Christianity. So they're like, does that make sense? So that answer would depend on which type of Buddhist you're talking to. But some could say that Jesus is an enlightened being for the West, and we're trying to still achieve the same thing. Because if you take some of the verses, some, remember paradox, right? Some of the verses say that we're trying, we are finding union with God and becoming one with God. Because I am in him and we are in him and he are in you and we're all praying for unity so that they can be what? One. Like if you look at Paul's verses, it talks a lot about union with God. Does that make sense? That's part of why we're in this class with paradox. Because I believe in union with God, but I also believe in distinction with God from God at the same time. I'm supposed to be like Jesus, but not be Jesus. And what they're gonna do is get rid of the distinction. Because philosophically, an idealist believes that there's how many perfects? One, does that make sense? So ultimately, you gotta get to what? The perfect, yes? We believe at Wheaton Academy that there could be a perfect you, and a perfect you, and a perfect you, and a perfect you, and a perfect God, and a perfect angel. Lots of different types of perfects. Does that make sense? But that, that's just rock bottom, core worldview difference on the definition of perfection. Is that fair? Great question. Other questions? Just on what we just acted out and what we processed. Okay, so let me talk about this. Then we'll watch a slideshow, and then we're going to turn the lights on, and we'll wrap up the day by just doing any more Q&A from the text or from the questions that you submitted, which were fantastic. Yeah? All right. This lesson right now is me planting a seed for about two months from now when we look at The Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis. Oh, one of my favorite books. Amazing. If we are in our dark, shadowy cave here, according to the Bible, this is the kingdom of darkness, right? And Satan is the ruler of the kingdom of darkness, and he's the father of lies. Can Satan, this fallen angel, create anything new and good? No, he can only take the good stuff and warp it and twist it and, and ruin it. Does that make sense? That he likes doing that. He steals, kills, and destroys, yes? But every good and perfect gift comes down right from the Father of Light. I mean, there you go. It's all right there. 
And so, ready? I want to challenge you that in the kingdom of darkness and in our shadowy world, this could represent the sin that we are tempted with. Some of you were talking about this the other day, yesterday, I think. Sin and, and why it tempts us. Let me just jump right in. Ready? Satan will offer you porn. Pornography, right? God offers you... Ready? Look at, look at how the Bible starts. <laughs> ah, most of you just haven't caught it yet. Two naked people in a garden, probably skinny dipping with God. Right? I'm just telling you what Genesis is telling you, right? I mean, we got two naked people. Intimacy, so is nakedness bad? Apparently not, right? God started the whole story that way with two naked people being able to see each other and God is there and there's rivers. Who wouldn't want to go skinny dipping? Let's go, right? Satan offers you porn. Ready? Nakedness, well, you're, you're probably not naked. I'm probably not, not, but on a plastic screen with someone you don't know without any real intimacy with shame and guilt. Seriously? And we fall for that? What the heck? I mean, when you look at porn in that context, someone you don't know, no real relationship, no love, it's all take, and it's a plastic screen? Are you kidding me? What does God want? Like nakedness, real nakedness, real intimacy in a covenant relationship with God present, which is awesome. Like, right? Yes, no. <laughs> It's not like God doesn't want you to have intimacy or doesn't want the nakedness thing. He just wants what's best for you. And he wants to be there in it with you. Right? Like I'm getting nothing. No? Are we tracking? Right, now let's try one more. Gossip. Can gossip and little gossip rings and little clicks, can people build bonds of relationship with that? Actually, sometimes those are really, really tight bonds. And so people fall for gossip in their relationship. Oh my gosh, don't fall for that. It's such a knockoff. The real thing, we have a trusting, loving, honest, encouraging relationship is so amazing. Bummer is many of you haven't even experienced that. But to have real friendship, that bond is so tight. You can only get so tight with gossip because you're afraid you're going to get gossiped about, right? Like it really isn't that tight. But real love and real friendship, honesty is so good. But we settle for that crap, right? I could keep going. Ready? All of the sin is warped good. Why do we settle for that? You guys, seriously, this isn't even the shadow of a tree. It's the shadow of a plastic tree. Compare this with the 400-year-old elm tree on the grad grounds. <laughs> what are we doing? Right? So let me lean into you guys just a little bit here. Jesus was a real person, so could he have chosen to sin? Yeah. Why didn't he? Because sin sucks. <laughs> it's dumb. <laughs> Why would Jesus choose the shadowy knockoff when he could have what? The good stuff. Right? So why do we do this? Like, we, why do we settle for it? We don't have to. You don't have to sin. You don't have to choose that stuff. Choose the good stuff. I don't have to sin, and I do. 
Because I'm an idiot. Like, what am I doing choosing this sin stuff when I could be choosing the better stuff, right? Are we tracking? It's so interesting. I mean, Jesus could have easily lusted after the woman caught in adultery. Why do that? That's dumb. I'm going to treat her with, I'm going to treat women with dignity and respect and honor. Call her daughter or sister. I'm going to give Mary Magdalene a big hug, <laughs> right? No, why lust? That's just lame. Jesus doesn't want to miss out on the good stuff by choosing the shadowy stuff. That's not today's lesson. <laughs> I just didn't want to miss the chance to plant that seed for later. Why? Why do we choose the shadow? What are we doing? I actually wonder if some of us don't realize that the sin we're choosing is shadow, and we don't know the real stuff, and that's why we're settling for it, right? Thoughts, questions, or comments on that one? Yeah. I will say this, and we said it the other day. If you don't think, ready, that that's better than this, well, then no wonder you're in here. Does that make sense? And if that's the kingdom of God out there, I want to challenge you. Well, I'll wrap it up, and then we're gonna. I want to. I to say this, and then we're gonna watch what's on the screen. Some verses. Some of you have just straight up rejected Christianity. Because what kind of Christianity did you get? A shadowy knockoff. Some of you hate the school, or hate Christians, or hate Christianity, or maybe even hate God. Careful. Don't reject it until you've really had the real thing. <laughs> Otherwise, look what you're rejecting. Right? And then I'll say one other thing here as well. Is some of you are in Christianity, and you are a Christian, but you're frustrated or overwhelmed or mad or angry. Yeah, probably because some of the Christians are doing what? <laughs> Acting in their shadowy self or not really giving the kingdom. But I'll tell you, like, if your youth group is boring, I don't think the disciples were bored. And God doesn't want you just to have this boring life as a Christian. He wants life and life abundantly, life to the full, right? That's the, that's the difference between this and standing on that porch. Got it? That porch, today was a perfect day for it. Sorry, Seamus. <laughs> but that porch, being outside with the breeze and the beautiful trees and the sunlight and the cool air, that's the kingdom of God compared to sitting in my classroom for 18 years. <laughs> like it's supposed to. That when we start seeing that, then we get it. Then we know why Jesus is like, I don't want any of the garbage the world is offering me because I've got the kingdom, and I love it. I'm so happy to have it. And that's what, you know, those verses are really weird. They dropped their nets and followed everything. Did anybody just catch it? Once you see that, you want this? I'm out, let's go, right? Yeah, okay. I've got a little slideshow here. I'm going to put on Libera. They are a boys' choir, a British boys' choir. They're singing in their falsetto. And I want you to listen to the songs. One is called Abide With Me, and the other one is Be Still My Soul. They're beautiful. And some of you just need to 
relax and just listen to the tune. Okay? Some of you are going to really enjoy looking at the scripture on here. And if you want to, you can even, the scripture's in here. So if you want to go through the guidebook, get past the questions to the scripture, page 31 of the guidebook, coming out of the cave. Some of you might actually want to just read these verses as the songs are going and process what happened today. What's going on with this? Because we're setting up now Ephesians, right? Where you are citizens of that world. But we're living in here, right? And we're sealed for the day of redemption. But we're trying to bring that here. We're inviting people out. And they'll know we are Christians because we made a whole bunch of people get out. Wait, sorry. They'll know we are Christians by our love. You see why he gave us a new command? It's so crazy in this dark. Come on, 2020, right? Like, it's so crazy in this shadowy, dark cave world. What's the least we could do? Let's just love each other, right? Can we at least do that? <laughs> right? So, here we go. Yeah, do whatever you gotta do. Yeah, don't go to the bathroom in the shadowy cave. <laughs> I just share this with you as well. Abide. What's our job in some respects in the dark, shadowy cave world? Abide in Christ as we journey here. Job, one of the oldest recordings of writing we have. Job notices that he doesn't always just rescue us out of the pandemic or just fix the racial issues necessarily right away. But in that, he's what? Job even notices that I can walk through it because he is with me in it. His light is with me in the dark. Come on, isn't it dark down here <laughs> right now, especially? Yeah. David gets it as well. David notices that he turns the darkness into light. What does that mean philosophically? Look at the darkness is not dark to God. Put that in 2020. He's okay. Darkness is as light to you. Isaiah talks about woe. Woe to those who call all this evil stuff that we're experiencing good. It's not. It's evil. Right? Be careful with moral relativity. Because it was actually going on back then as well. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Look at it. it even says, land of shadow. 
That's Tolkien, right? got a few more slides and we're now New Testament. I'm going to finish the slides and then let this next song just play. You can pray, sleep, whatever you need to do. Contemplate. Maybe some of you just need to sit and listen to this song right now. I didn't know what it would be like to teach this right now with the global awakening and the pandemic and the, the tensions. I need to listen to this song in the darkness. Look what Jesus says about worldview. If your eyes, your view of the world is bad, your whole self will be dark. And if you think it's light, remember what we started with? If you think it's light, but it's not light, oh, bummer for you, man. That's really dark. And why do people stay in the cave? Yeah? And here's a word for us in the darkness, in the pandemic, in the racial tension, in the election, in the hurricanes and the fire, <laughs> like, ah! Do everything without complaining or arguing so you can become blameless and pure. Children of God. God's kids. In which you shine like stars. You and I, we get to shine like stars in the dark world. I love this. Not as we cram the word of life down people's throats, as we what? We hold it out. We invite people in. And this is where some of us just have missed it. No offense, no worries, but let's catch it. Where is this all happening? Heart and mind. Let the light shine in your heart and let your light renew your mind. Let his light renew your mind in the face of Christ, Christ-centered worldview because he is the light and this is the last one and we're just going to let the song play
All right. Thanks for listening. few minutes left. I don't think we need to add anything to today. Does that make sense? But we don't want to miss out as well. You had questions. I mean, I can share the ones that you wrote. I have them in my head and some I wrote some down, but what's left? I mean, we just spent an hour talking about Allegory of the Cave and idealism and we acted it out and we made connections to scripture and Christianity and being saved by grace and then sin. And we just did a lot. <laughs> Anything on your mind or other questions or thoughts? Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. And then yeah. she just came back in here and said, Great, great. Let's give it up like this. This is why I love teaching. Like that is fantastic. And ready? But, Go keep going, keep going. Yeah, but then I also started wondering, like and then she like comes back in here and she tells us it's all just like It's all dark. Yeah. It's all like awful, it's all like whatever. Yeah. But then what if Emma decides to like go out? Yeah. And it's during the day. Yeah. And then so it's right outside. Yeah. And then she comes back and she, and she tells us, oh, it's great. Yeah. It's, you know, it's amazing. You should come out. Yeah. Of, like the room or whatever. Yeah. But then Maggie still has her experience of it being dark, of it being the same, of it being like scary almost. Yeah. And then they start to bicker with each other. Yeah. How do we get to decide who's right? What? How do we get to decide what's real? Because they're both simultaneously real, you know, like at the same time. They just have different perspectives of reality. Yeah. Fantastic. Let's give it up right there. That's fantastic. I'm going to do two things with that, just to respond. And then I'd love to open it up. But the Matrix movies were kind of implying all that. And what happened in the third movie? You got out of the cave, but it was what outside? Worse than the cave. So then you're going to do what? come back in. Does that make sense? Okay. I'm not sure that's what you're saying, but I just want to like connect that one as well. Like if it's worse out there, then I don't want to go out there. Even if it is real, I'd rather live in the shadow. Does that make sense? But I like how you set it up. It was dark, maybe scary, but was it bad? Yeah. It was in that neutral zone. Great. So anyone have a thought on that? Because I, I wanna I would like to ground it in Plato. Great question. Never had that one before. That's fantastic. Right? Woo woo. Twenty years. Um, let me do two things. 
In Allegory of the Cave, is it better? In the Gospels, is it better? Great. <laughs> okay. But I think that's where we have to ground ourselves first. Is it, for Christianity, Neoplatonism, the light and the kingdom of God will be better than the kingdom of darkness. Yes? And for Allegory of the Cave, it's not only better, it's the real world, right? Like, it's the world, the kingdom, yes? So what you're talking about, then, are people who are experiencing that outside of the cave world, but their experience is dark, or their experience is light. One was kind of fun and bright and exciting, and the other one was really scary, yes? So let's, should we try to connect that with the Bible, or were you just wondering in general? Yeah, I would, go, I would go this way. Let's go this way, if that's okay. Someone who... Someone who hates people, who's... Let's do it right now. Who's racist and is an egotistical jerk, right? And they have the religious spirit and they're rich but greedy. When they bump into that real world... Will they be able to do those things that they want to do out there if it's the kingdom of God? No, so they're going to like it. That's the great divorce book. It's the whole book. Is if you like being a selfish jerk and then you get to heaven and you have to be loving, are you going to like heaven? Okay, so heaven's going to be what? Hey, people aren't racist here and people are kind and loving and people share their stuff. Well, I don't know. They're, they're less than me. I'm better than them. And I don't want to be nice. And I want to be selfish. So is there anywhere else I can go? <laughs> yeah, you can go back to your shadowy cave by yourself. Right? Does, that, does that make sense? On some, I don't know if that's connecting with what you're saying. But if she goes out and she experiences darkness, then that's like in Narnia. Does anybody ever remember the, um, the last battle with the dwarves? who are in Narnia, but it's what? It's dark. So they're not in the stable. They're in Narnia, but it's dark. And they're eating delicious food, but it tastes like hay. Right? So their experience of this beautiful, amazing Narnia real world is a horror. They're, they're in Aslan's country, but they don't like it. Well, that's because they're not willing to die to themselves and experience this beautiful real thing. Fair enough. Is that helpful at all? Yeah. It's still probably not what you're asking. Here's what I'm wondering. I'm wondering if you maybe are asking this, maybe. What happens when we experience God and God is God? <laughs> Big, overwhelming, scary, <laughs> powerful, infinite. And that feels kind of dark and scary. Is that maybe? Could that happen with God? Potentially. I don't know, right? Like, I don't, everybody's experience of God is going to be different, right? I will say this. You had mentioned the word scary. Maybe. Uh, Aslan's really scary. <laughs> but he's what? Good. Yeah? 
How about this? Can I take it? We're in philosophy class. You guys are kind of pushing the edges already. But what about going even one step further? What if you go experience the kingdom and you've always thought that God's just really, really good and he, he doesn't ever allow any evil and he's in complete control of everything. And then you step outside the room and you're like, oh, wait, he's allowing this pandemic right now and he could stop it? The answer is what? Yes. That's a little scary. <laughs> I'm not sure I like that. But is it happening right now? And is, is, so I read this one author. The title of the chapter was God, the Great Allower. I'm like, I don't know if I want to read this chapter. Because <laughs> does he allow evil? Yeah, and is he good? Yeah, wait, what? That feels a little dark. But is, it, is that God? Yeah, right? I mean, come on. Even before, whenever all this stuff is happening, is Satan around? He's in the garden. Does he, he could have stepped on Satan's head as a snake, and then it would have never happened, right? But did he allow it to happen? Maybe some people won't like that part of God. Yeah? Is that maybe a little bit too? Yeah. Yeah, and so what I wanted to tease out a little bit, were they having a bad experience in a crummy legalistic church? Or were they having a bad experience with God? Yeah, I wonder, right? Yeah, so if you're having a crummy experience at a church or with a jerk Christian, that's the shadow of the knockoff of the real thing. If you are having a quiet moment with the God of the universe and it's a little scary and overwhelming... Maybe. <laughs> he's loving and good, but he's also God, right? Like, fe the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Yeah? And so we might need to step into the presence with awe and humility. If you, right? But I think it's important to make sure, because that's what I wanted to push a little bit. Watch out. Watch out chucking your faith because of a jerk Christian. Watch out being mad at God because of God's representatives. Does that see what's going on there? Yeah. Watch out thinking that Christians are all jerk because you've only experienced crummy Christianity that's really shallow and graceless. That's not loving, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I would say this. The, someone who describes this from my perspective as one of the best with a language you'll be familiar with would be C.S. Lewis. Because when he gets the, the characters to encounter Aslan, it's all over the map, right? <laughs> like, uh, who knows the horse and his boy, right? There was only one lion, and he was with him in that really scary mountain scene. And like, but that was still Aslan, you know? Like, and Aslan actually like, scratches the back of one of the characters. And you're like, what the heck? <laughs> That's not a real fun encounter with God when he's scratching your back, right? But he's good. Right? Nice work. That's a fantastic question. Hopefully that was helpful. I'm not trying to necessarily answer it. I'm just kind of yeah. creating some dialogue and some options and some potentials. But I really liked your inquiry there. Other thoughts on that? Cool. I think what you are tapping into that may be a great place for us to end today. We're not quite done, but to end today is to ponder some of this.
careful, right? Be really, really careful thinking you've got God figured out. He's what? <laughs> Infinite. And I just said he's what? She's what? God's what? Right? God is feminine and masculine in regards to male and female is the image of God. What does that mean? Right? Like, whoa. And he, he, Jesus says, I'd like to be like a mother hen. So he's like, I want to be like a girl chicken. What? <laughs> you know? Like, God is fire. God is water. God speaks through creation. God is what? Huge. This is actually one of the reasons why Lewis and Chesterton settled into Christianity. Because they liked the fact that if I can figure out God, then really, I'm what? I'm God. But could they figure out God? No. So like, this is great. I know I exist, and I can't figure out God, so therefore I'm not God. Yay! <laughs> and they like, they'll embrace that. And they just said that he's this massive mystery, which some of you are bumping up against these past couple of weeks, and it may be a new, fresh way. He is, he's big. And so, yeah, our experiences with God are going to be different. I will say for me and for this class, the final word be, whatever your experience is, I'm going to claim and believe and trust that God is love. And so if the thing that you're experiences, experiencing isn't connected to love, then I'm going to call it the shadow. Does that help? I've got to have something as the objective standard, right? So I'm going to call it love. Yeah, And so, yeah, if he's scratching me on the back or he is allowing something to happen to me, it's all because of his great love for me. And I'll see that work itself out. But if I'm just experiencing something that's traumatic and mean and not loving, then that's not, that's not the real thing. That's the shadow. Yeah? I think we're done. We're done today. <laughs> we're, we're good. <laughs> all right. Cheers. Seamus, we're done. Thanks for cluing in, uh, queuing in today. Blessings to you. Yeah, take care. All right, team. Thanks for a great day. There's a couple minutes left. Let's stay until um, the minutes. If people want to help put the screens up and pull the tape off and the paper down, we'll get the room back a little bit. There we go. No more cave. And uh, great questions. I am loving this seventh period. You guys are awesome. Keep it up. <laughs>